Are you? Good morning. Welcome to the 9 o'clock service, or it would have been with the time change. You guys all caught on, right? You good? You're here? You're awake? Let's hear it. You ready? I'm just going to try to, nah, you got, you're, be engaged. I want to cha- challenge you. Don't let that sleep thing get you. It's just an hour. Uh, when I went home last night, I, I set my clocks ahead right away. So when I was, you know, kind of tricked my body into thinking it's already 11 o'clock or already 10 o'clock, I came up and I'm still tired. I'm not going to fool you. Uh, glad you guys are here. We're in a series called Relationships. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors. I've been coming, my wife and I have been attending here for about uh, September. This September we'll be attending 20 years and I've been on staff for just shy of 18 so I got to tell you, love this place, honored, honored by Pastor Troy, honored by Pastor Steph to be able to share part of my heart today, something I'm very passionate about. I want to encourage you guys to take some notes. You should have received one of these when you came in. Looks like this. I, we always encourage you to take some notes because we believe you're going to have something in those notes that you didn't have when you came in. So it's good to kind of put up on the fridge to remember uh, some important points moving forward. I want to start by talking about Myths. I'm a big fan of, of um, that old show. It just went off the air, Mythbusters. Anybody Mythbusters fans? Great, great show. It was these two guys that would basically spend time in a lab trying to either prove that a myth was true or disprove it as false. And they would go through all these urban legends and all this myth, mythical stuff. And, you know, I was, I was just fascinated by myths. I was looking up some myths as I prepared for, for today. And I found some, the top five myths about marriage, okay? We're not talking about marriage today, but I just found these myths I thought were interesting. See if you guys think these are myths or not. Number one, good relationships are easy and don't require hard work. Okay, myth number one. Myth number two, if you're truly in love, the passion never fades. In my marriage it has not, but apparently some of your marriages... That is not true. Number three, <laughs> fights are bad for relationships. Is that true or not? It's, it's not true. Fights, sometimes, if you're handling them maturely, arguments are good, right? I hear all couples all the time, Pastor, we never fight. I said, that's a warning sign. That means you're not talking about anything deep enough that would make you, each other mad, right? It's all surface. Here's number four. By the way, none of this stuff is about what we're talking about. It's just bonus because you guys got up on time and you're here. So there you go. Number four. In order for a marriage to be successful, one spouse has to change. That's a myth, right? For a marriage to be successful, both, right? Both do. And here's the last one. See if this is true or not. Having a child will strengthen a marriage. If you're a parent in the room, you know this is a myth, right? I hear all the time, oh, we're going to have a baby because our our relationship is struggling. Let's have a baby. And I'm like, no, no. Children magnify problems. They don't make them go away, don't they, right? They review. You've got to have a solid foundation for kids. So those are all myths about marriage. Now, I, you know, it's important to understand fact from fiction in life. To understand what's real and what isn't, especially in the most important relationship you will ever, 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 ever have, and that's your relationship with God. And that's what we're going to talk about today, your relationship with God, how to get closer to God, how to have a better relationship with God. It's an important one. Again, I want to invite you to take some notes. And as we kind of get started, I hear questions all the time. Can I get closer to God? Does he want to get closer to me? I've had this past. Does that stop a good relationship from, with God from happening? I, I want to answer some of those today. I want to unpack them over the next few minutes together. And before we do that, at the top of your outline, you'll see this little blue box. I used to teach middle school, and I love giving little pop quizzes. So here's your pop quiz for the day. It says, my relationship with God, and it has a scale from 1 to 10. One meaning that you're distant. Maybe you don't know God at all. 
And by the way, before we get started, if you don't know who God is or don't know Jesus yet, or that's just fine. We're just glad you're here. Everybody starts on the road someplace, right? We all did. I did. So if that's you, if you're distant from God, that's a number one. And if you and God are so close, you're like BFFs, you guys are, that's number 10. You feel so close to God. He's on your Snapchat. You are together with God, right? That's, so take a second and circle that. If you need to guard it and protect it, you can. If you want to just point to it, you don't really want to circle it, that's okay. It's just to kind of gauge where we are in our relationship with God. It's important to take that inventory. All of us really are on this scale someplace. And today we're going to talk about how to move closer to 10. How to have a closer relationship with God. Let's start off. I have three myths there in your outline. And I want to start off by kind of saying maybe you've heard these myths before. Maybe you've said these things before. Maybe you've lived by these things before. But they're really three myths about our relationship with God. Here's the first one. Maybe you've heard somebody say this. I'm doing just fine without God. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? I've convinced myself that I, I'm this, I got this far without God. I don't need God in my life. It's all good, right? I'm, 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 I'm just fine. I don't need no religion or God or anything. I'm okay. We, we miss something when we say this. I put it there in your outline. It's from Romans chapter 11, verse 36. It says this, for everything, circle that if you would, everything. That's from the Greek for the word everything. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, right? God provides everything. Please fill that in. God provides everything. Your shoes, your job, your breath in the morning, your home, your kids. God provided that into your life. So it's hard to say that I can live without God because the fact is none of us are living without God because God provides everything. Whether you believe in him or not, God still provides everything. So that's myth number one. Here's myth number two. See if you've ever heard someone say this. God doesn't care about me. I can't possibly get close to God because he doesn't care about me. The song we just sang that, that Brooke just slayed out here. She does, she's got such a good voice. I'm going to sing like her in heaven. Maybe not that high pitch, but something that beautiful. It was all about someone who thought, does God care about me? It's a question some of us have even asked ourselves. How can I have a relationship with God? How can he care about me? If God cared about me, why would I hurt so badly? If God cared about me, why would I still be alone? Does God care or not? Well, let's look. I have a verse there to, to kind of counter that one too. Deuteronomy 31.6. And if you don't have this one starred in your Bible, you probably should. One of my life verses, it says this. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally, circle that if you would, he will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I have this verse written on a little index card in my house. And when I have a rough day, I'll go home and read it. Because sometimes even Pastor Brian feels God must not care. Why do I hurt so badly? But then I read this scripture and God reminds me, Brian, I, I do. I care about you so much. I, I'm going to protect you. If you look, look at the verse. I'm going to personally go ahead of you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm never going to leave you by yourself. So it's a myth. God does care. He truly does. In fact, I put in your notes this. God cares more about me than I care about me. God cares about me more than I care about me. God loves you more than you love you. He truly cares. Every day, 24-7, never a break. So that's the second myth. Here's the third myth is this. Maybe you've said this or heard somebody say it. I don't have time for God, but he'll understand. 
I don't have time for God, but he'll understand. A lot of us, if we're not careful, start treating God like you've seen people treat their families. They spend energy and time at work, and they put all this energy and time talking with total strangers. And when it's time to come home and connect with their family, what's left? Not much. Not much. We tend to hurt the people in our lives that have the most vested in us because they'll, what, understand. Some of us treat God the same way. God, God can, you know, I don't really have to go to church. I can skip quiet time today. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to pray. I, he'll understand. Understand this. It costs God a lot, everything, to have a relationship with you and I. In fact, I put it there in your notes. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall never die or not perish, the Bible says, but have eternal life. God's relationship with me cost him his son. We need to make God, keep God a priority. What God understands is this. He needs to be first. And if anything else is taking God's place, we need to remove it and put God there. That's how we have that closeness that we're looking for. So three big myths off the bat. I, I'm just fine without him. He doesn't care. And I don't have time for him. All those are not not true. God does truly care. But I'll tell you this, and everybody take a big deep breath. I'm seeing your faces. You're like, I'm feeling convicted, right? It's okay, because you're not an evil person. That's the good news. Because if you've lived believing this, it doesn't mean that you're bad at all. And that, that's a good thing, right? It's not as though we're saying, I don't want a relationship with God. It's, it's that over time, that relationship kind of leaks. It's gradual. And we wake up one morning, we find ourselves distant from God. It's kind of reminds me the other day I woke up and it was, um, I don't know how early it was, but I heard a hissing sound in my house. Now, that's a, that's a jarring thing to wake up to, a hissing sound. I thought somebody left the TV on or something, but it wasn't. And I'm thinking, you ever see those stories on the news where somebody opens their toilet and there's like a snake in it? Okay, now I'm thinking that's going to be me. So I walked into my bathroom because it was in the bathroom area, and I'm like, what is that sound? It's hissing. Continuously. So I open the lid of the toilet, no snake. Okay. Put on my shoes, I walk outside, and no kidding, my yard is flooded. Hundreds of gallons of water. And what had happened was the water main pipe that was outside that wall had broken, spraying water in a beautiful rainbow, by the way. Beautiful rainbow of water. Hundreds of gallons of water going all over my yard. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, I mean, I'm just out of bed. It's like 5.30 in the morning, and I'm hearing the hissing sound, and the water main broke to my house. So a couple guys from the church, we, I shut the water off, the main switch of water, and we went over there, and we dug out the pipes. And we found out that when we got to the, we found the cause of this break. Now, what had happened was where the PVC and the metal pipe came together, it had cracked. The PVC had cracked. And what had caused that crack was this. This is the root, a root, of an oak tree. And what had happened was, what we, what we didn't realize, under the ground, now you don't know this is going on in your house. We saw a big oak tree, beautiful tree, right? We, here's the pipe in our house, and this oak tree root had grown over the years and pushed and pushed and got longer and longer and longer. Then it hit the pipe. Something's going to give between oak tree and pipe. Guess what's going to happen? The pipe every time. And pushed it lower and over and over and over and over till it broke. It could have taken years to make that crack. Now, in our lives, with our relationship with God, it's, it's a gradual thing. It's a skipped quiet time here. It's a skipped church weekend there. It's a, 
we're just going to not pray. And after a while, we feel separated and distant from God. And yet, you know, we're real quick to say, God, where did you go? God, I've been praying. Where are you, God? Why are you answering my prayers? And God's like, I didn't go anywhere. If we're distant, it's because you drifted. God never moves. And what doesn't make us bad people? It just happens. It happens in every relationship we have if we're not careful. Things can drift apart. But the most important relationship we have is the one with God. And if we're not careful, that relationship can drift. I put it in your notes this way. Our distance from God is us neglecting, not God rejecting. God is not pushing us away. God is not saying, I'm not answering your prayers. God is not running from you. I don't care what you did in your past. He's not running from you. He's standing still. He's saying, hey, if we're apart, it's because you guys drifted. You neglected the relationship. So here's the good news is that we can have that closeness again. That God wants that closeness that either we've never had before, he wants us to have closeness, or maybe we used to have, and we don't have any more. You know, if, if, we, if you're in this room and you ever pray that prayer of salvation, you get excited about God. Yes, I'm a Christ follower, and you tell everybody about your decision. It's awesome. You get, you know, baptized and everything's great. And then over time, what starts to happen? We tell fewer and fewer people about our faith, about our relationship with God, and it just, things tend to fall apart. But God says, hey, I want you to get that closeness back. There's four ways to do it. I put them in your outline. I want to encourage you to write these things down. Here's number one. The first way to get closer to God again is to confess. To confess to him. Now, this is not an easy thing to do, but we've got to keep a short account with God. Confession is not the natural go-to move. Look, look what it says in 1 John 1, 9. Some people call this the Christian bar of soap. All right, we're going to see why. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is what? Let's try that again. He's what? Faithful, right. And he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all wickedness. Scripture tells us to confess what we've done. I don't know about you. I don't want to do this. Who wants to? Confession is hard. You've got to tell God what you've done wrong. Now, now, have you noticed, though, some of the hardest conversations to have in life bring you closer to the person you're having them with? For example, you're married and you confess something to a spouse. Is that an easy conversation to have? No, right? But the good part is when you discuss it afterwards, if you can work it out, there's a closeness that starts to form. If you're a parent of a teenager and you blow it as the parent, you're the parent, you blow it, there's something amazing when you go to your teen and say, hey, I blew it. Will you forgive me? There is an intimacy that grows between child and parent in that conversation that nothing can replace. Confession brings people closer together. Same thing with God. God says, I need you to keep a short account. Continue to talk to me every single day. And the bad part is God doesn't, we can't just say, hey, God, please forgive me for what I've done. Amen. That'd be easy. God wants specifics. Lord, forgive me for lying. Lord, forgive me for the way I got angry and handled it wrong. God, forgive me for holding that, linger, that lingering gaze on that coworker. I know that I'm married. I shouldn't do that. But God, forgive me for doing These are tough conversations to have with God. But, you know, a lot of us, we think we've got God fooled. We treat God kind of like, you ever play hide-and-go-seek with a little kid? I mean, a little, little kid, right? And you tell them that they're going to go hide. You know how little kids hide? Like this. <laughs> you can't see me. You can't see me. You're like, no, I can see you. You're standing right there. 
But because they can't see you, obviously you can't see them, right? A lot of us treat God the same way. If we don't tell God what we've done wrong, he doesn't know. Shh. Don't say it out loud. God doesn't know. Here's the big revelation of the day. God already knows. Confession is for you, not him. He wants to hear if you'll admit it. But it's important. Because when we confess to God and we keep a clean account, a clean sheet with him, that relationship grows closer together. I, um, I love this verse, Psalm 147.3. I put it in your outline. Here's the upside to this. When we confess, look what God does. The verse says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. When we break and we say, God, I confess this to you. God, please forgive me. Look what scripture tells us. He heals the brokenhearted. He may put someone in your path to give you a hug. He may reveal a verse that helps you heal. He may let you, you ever hear a song on the radio that just says all the words you need to hear at at that exact moment and heals your heart? I don't know how God's going to heal your wounds. I know this, though. He promises when you're broken and you come to him and say, God, I'm, I'm blown it, he heals you. I put it in your notes this way. It is in our brokenness that God draws us closer. It is in our brokenness that God draws us closer. God doesn't say, hey, go deal with it. Or, hey, you know what, praying for you, buddy. God says, I'm going to be right there with you. He, he, he personally binds up your wounds. I love that. That's, that's the intimacy that I want with God. So that's number one. We need to confess. Here's number two. We need to talk with God. Talk with him, right? This isn't just a confession, okay? The Bible says here, the Lord is close to all who call on him. So everybody that talks to God, there's a closeness that forms. Not just confession, kind of a prayer-mindedness. Just being always aware of God. Here's, here's how I kind of live that out. You ever been on the road and been in a hurry? And you hit a green light, you're like, green light, awesome, right? Then you hit another one. You're like, this is awesome. Then you hit a third green light and a fourth green light. What I start to do is like, hey, thanks, God. Now, it's not a formal prayer. I'm not on my knees. There's no candles lit. I'm just like, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you in mind. Thank you for providing green lights. But you know what happens? Inevitably, eventually, you hit a red light. The challenge in life is to say thank you at the red lights too. Because here's the temptation. God, why are you stopping me? God, I'm in a hurry. God, I need to get there. What God is saying was there's an accident a half mile down the road, and I'm preventing you from it. Sometimes God stops you for your own good. Now, that's bonus, but it's true. God answers every single prayer. Now, he answers prayers not always in ways that we understand and not always when we want him to answer them. But he has three answers for prayer. Yes, I love yes. Love when God says yes. Yes. Brian, you and I are on the same page. You're a wise one. I love yes. Sometimes he tells me no. Who likes no? Nobody likes no, but at least it's an answer. It's that third answer I don't like. Wait. Wait is the will see of prayer answers, right? You ever, if you're a parent, you ever tell your kids will see? That's a delayed no. You're lying to them. You're just lying to them. Will see means let's get out of this Walmart before I tell you no, okay? Right? We, will see never turns into yes. Just no, understand that. <laughs> but God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says, wait, because I got something better for you. I hear all the time, when's my man coming? When am I, when's, I want my man. Where's my man? You're talking about all these Christian men, right? Where's my man? I was like, well, your man's out there. Bring him on. I'm ready. You may be ready, but God's not ready to bring that person to you either. There's something that needs to happen in your life 
or you're going to put a ring on that guy's finger, and what's going to happen, he's going to turn into Mr. Hyde. It's much better to be single than with the wrong person. It is. God knows what he's doing, and he answers prayer the way he wants to in his own time, but it's always right. And when God starts to answer prayer in our lives, we realize, hey, he really does care about me. Can you imagine if God had said yes to everything you ever prayed for? You'd be a wreck. I, I would be a wreck. I'd be a train wreck is what it would happen, right? Because at the time, I'm like, God, I want all yeses. And God says, no, no, no. I see the finish line. You see the hurdles. Let me handle this. I got it. But we've got to be in a prayer mindedness all the time. God, I know you're there. God, thank you for this. Every, everything. He always listens to us. And, and, and when we realize that, it does bring our relationship closer together. I put it in your notes this way. Prayer changes more than what we're praying about. Prayer changes us. When we start to realize, hey, God really is at work here. Hey, really, God really didn't provide that job because there was another better one coming on down the road. Hey, you know, when I stopped at that red light, he did protect me from that accident. There's a closeness that forms. If there's someone in your life right now that you don't like, you got that name? No, you don't, because somebody out there, right? You have somebody, pray for that person. And don't pray that God would change them. Pray that God would bless them. That God would bring them a you know, tremendous fortune and all this and great and protect them and good health and all that. Pray for that person, because here's what's going to happen. That person you don't like may never change. You know who's going to change in that prayer? Me. Me. And that closeness, that intimacy that I want with God, will grow. So those are two things we can do. Confess and pray. Those are two inward things. Now there's two public things we can do also to help us grow closer to God. Here's number three in your outline is to worship him. You want to grow close to God? Worship him. And it's right here in the local church. Right here at Potential Church. Pastor Bill Hybels, who's the pastor at Willow Creek Community Church in in, uh, Illinois is famously quoted as saying the local church is the hope of the world. This, what you're sitting where you're at right now, where who you we are the local church. You are God's plan A to reach your community for Christ. That you're it, right? This is the church. This is what we do. We reach our, our world. Now, the church does so many things. It takes care of the sick and the hurting and the lost. The church gets the t- chance to share the greatest news ever shared on the, on the earth. You know, Jesus came to earth, and he died for our sins, and he was you know, crucified on that cross, and he resurrected that's why all those volunteers you saw earlier went out and hung door hanger signs. It's because one of those door hangers may end up on a house of somebody who goes, what is this? And shows up at church and their lives are forever changed because they showed up and so did Jesus. And they got to know him for the first time. And now they're going to head to heaven instead of hell. That, that's what we do as a church. It's God's plan A. And God loves the church. In fact, he established it and he died for it. God values the local church. I told you I've been here about 20 years, and um, i got to tell you, this church has profoundly changed me. I was invited 30 times to show up here, and I told, no, I told the person who was inviting me, her name was Amy and her husband, Chris. They invited me 30 times, and I said no. And that 31st time, they caught me in a moment where I needed God. I didn't know I needed God. I just needed something. So they invited me, and I said yes, and I came. And I know now that when I'm having a rough time in my life, when I come through those doors, somebody gives me a hug. I'm struggling. Now, when I'm struggling at home, this is home. You guys are my family. In fact, you're better than family. My own family would tell me to suck it up. You guys give me a hug. (laughs) Thank you. If it's your first time here this weekend, welcome home. You're the church, not the building. 
raised my daughter here. Literally raised her. I dedicated her when we were doing services over there. Now she's a student leader and singing. And You helped me raise my daughter. You encourage me when I'm down. We get a chance to connect and grow together and do life together and partner up together. And I'm grateful for that. And I know that God values this place for that reason. In fact, I put it in your notes this way. We grow closer to God when we value what he values. You want to have a better relationship with God? Value the church. It's what God values. I wrote down in your outline, there's four ways we can do that. We can attend regularly. We can attend regularly. That's not just an as-you-feel-like-it attendance, because I know, I know there's a wrestling match going on, right? Do I want to attend? Do I not want to attend, right? It's tough. I know this, though. I hear all the time, Pastor, the message you shared last week, you preached that right to me. Guess what? Let me let you in on a little secret. Yes, that's exactly what we did. Now, I know when we wrote this down, we didn't know your name specifically, but the Holy Spirit took those words and put them right there in your heart. And if you miss a week, you never know, that could be the sermon that gives you the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. You just never know when you're going to miss it. There's always something huge happening here. Pastor Troy delivers every single week from this platform and drops off something on our lives that just, just changes things. God uses them in a mighty way. So try to be here as often as you possibly can. They said the average churchgoer is 2.7 times a month. I think down here in South Florida, that number might be skewed. I think it's actually less. Be here. Make an effort to be here. That's number one. Number two, to give generously. To give generously. The, the challenge with this is, again, it's our, it's our money. So it's always that wrestling match about how much do we give, what do we give, how often do we give. I want to just encourage you just to say, first of all, thank you for your generosity. Because of your generosity, I have a place where I can take my daughter and she can learn about Christ. Or we have a place where we can, you know, be in air-conditioned comfort and learn about the Word of God. Or you can bring your friends here. We can have Egapalooza or whatever, whatever reason. If, you, if the church has ever touched you in any way and helped you in your life, it's because of the generosity of someone. It requires resources to keep the things going here. And I want to tell you, my life is completely different because of this church. And thank you to those that were generous before I got here and the ones that continue to be. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't been you want to value what God values and be generous with your resources. It is a wrestling match. I know it. I know it is, but keep at it. Number three, you want to value what God values and grow closer to him. We need to serve willingly. And I just want to push a pause button right here and just say I have never, ever, ever, ever worked with a better team of volunteers ever than the volunteers that are here at this campus and all of our campuses all over the place. I want to say thank you sincerely. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, ushers. Thank you, greeters. Thank you for being over there in the kids' building. Thank you for being out in the rain with an umbrella when I'm getting out of my car. Thank you for taking care of when my, ba- my, my daughter was a baby. And thank you for a student ministry that's amazing. And just thank you, thank you, thank you, volunteers. Because we could not do it without you. And I know that you're working 50 hours a week. And I know that you show up at those doors. And you hand out programs. And you smile while you're doing it. And you're exhausted because you just, there's arguments at home. Why are you serving at that church? Well, you say, I'm going to serve there because God's going to give me great joy. And I'm going to serve there because that's where God heals my heart. And I'm going to serve there because I love people, because God loves people, and I want to have that relationship with God that he promises. That's why you come. And there's something that happens when we hurt and we serve anyway. Because the tendency for most of us is to get hurt and withdraw. But if you knew some of the stories of these volunteers that come out, and what they're going through in their lives. And why do they come out and volunteer when they hurt? Because God does something supernatural in their hearts as they're hurting that heals them. There's something about smiling and hugging and loving on people and, do, and doing things in God's house. It just changes who we are. 
So if we want to value what God values, we should serve willingly. And there's one more, and I want to mention it because I've been here for about 20 years, and I'm seeing more and more of a trend. I'm noticing at the end of service, the pastor's done speaking, and the, 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 the video comes on or whatever, and people get up and leave. And I wrote in your notes, I put leave respectfully. I don't mean leave the church. I'm talking about just leaving the individual services. I want to tell you something. If we want to value what God values, and I want to say this from the bottom of my heart, we need to value this church. And when you get up and leave early, basically, Jesus died for this place. It's the least you can do to sit for the last three minutes of service. When you get up, I believe this. From the first note of the first song to the final see you later, God can change anyone's life. Not just during the teaching, not just during the music, but God can do anything for that entire stretch of time. And when you choose to get up early and leave, what that does is not only disturb your ability to connect with God for the final three minutes, but everybody in your row that you have to say, excuse me, as you walk past them, you disrupt them as well. Now, I love you dearly, but there's got to be respect for the house enough to wait 90 seconds till it's finished and then leave. Because God can change a heart at any given stretch. So I say this with all the kindness and love that I can. Let's respect the house enough to stay here to the very, very end. I promise your car will still be there. Your kids will still be taken care of. We do not put your children on eBay. We do not. They will be there. Okay? So we have to value what God values. And I'll tell you, when you start doing those things, there's an intimacy that builds with God. There's a closeness that builds with God that nothing can replace. Value what he values. Here's the fourth one and we're done. We need to obey him. The final way to reconnect with God or to connect with God is to obey him. Look at the verse there in John 14. It says, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, they will what? Circle that word obey, right? Obey me. Then my father will love them and we will come to them and live in them. John 14, 23, right? I love this verse because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And guess what? When you obey me, guess what happens? I come into your life. I draw closer to you. Because if we do these things and we're obedient, he gets closer. Now, what does God want us to do? What, in what way should we be obedient? There's a lot of ways to be obedient to God. But there seems to be one thing that I'm noticing lately. It's the one stumbling block that a lot of us keep falling into. The one place that we're not necessarily the most obedient. And I get people coming up to me all the time. Pastor, I feel distant from God. Pastor, I feel disconnected. And I, my very first question will always be to you, I promise you, have you been baptized? And you say, what baptism? It's just getting wet, right? Right? That's all it is. I mean, what does that have to do with obedience? It's the very first thing God asks us to do after we start a relationship with him. But so many of us skip it. Why isn't God blessing my life? Why, you know, why do I feel so disconnected? I put it in your outline. It's the, baptism is the first thing that God asks us to do. Why do I feel so distant from God? Because the very first thing he asked you to do, you told him No. God is much more reluctant to bless your life when we're disobedient. It's kind of like my wedding ring. My wedding ring is a symbol that I'm in a committed relationship with my wife. It also shows all the ladies here that I'm taken. <laughs> I know. That, that's the third group that's actually laughed when I've said that. It's okay. My wife is a saint. We've been, actually, I'm gladly taken. We've been married just under 23 years, and... Uh, she's a, an angel, but this ring represents commitment. And what it does is when I wear it, I don't have to wear this ring. Well, I do because <laughs> she'd kill me, but I don't have to wear this ring. <laughs> I, could go to, I could go to any jeweler, right, and buy a ring and put it on without even having a girlfriend. This ring is special to me because it shows everybody I'm in a committed relationship with my wife. 
When we get baptized, it's like putting on our God jersey. I'm representing God's team. I'm showing the world that I'm part of him, that we're in a committed relationship together. It's the very first sermon you'll ever preach. Some of you may never preach from up here. For some of you guys, this would scare you to death. But when you get in that water and you get lowered down underneath it and you're brought back up, representing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, Everybody around that area, those friends and family that are there, you just preached a sermon to them. This is the relationship in your life. Now, that being said, the Bible is very, very clear. I want to challenge you, as Pastor Chris and Kim talked about just a little while ago, we have a booth out there for baptism signups. I want to challenge you to sign up to get baptized. Our next big one is Easter morning, 7 a.m. out there at the beach. But we baptize after every single service, and we're going to baptize after every service on Easter as well. What is holding you back from baptism? What's keeping that lid on? What's preventing God from blessing your life? That closeness, that intimacy that you want with him. I, I believe this with my whole life. I think we should never let fear hold us back from being obedient. Maybe we're scared about Maybe we don't know what baptism is. Okay, so I'm going to ask her, would you, would you come up here and join me? Yes, I know. You're like, oh, my goodness, he's doing this to me. Yes, I am. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine. Come on up, Catherine. Let's give Catherine a hand. She's about to get baptized on the stage. Come on up. Catherine's like, oh, my dear Lord, what have you done to me? Come on up. Watch your step. Perfect. You have a loose shoe. Oh, it's a boot. Okay, come on down. Right, we're going to baptize you. We're going to bring you right here. Because here's the thing. A lot of us don't know. Go, keep going. It's okay. It's kind of, look. See, look. Just imagine them all in their underwear. It's going to take all the fear away, right? That's what they tell you to do. Okay. Catherine, right? Yes. Okay, good. Catherine's about to get baptized. I just want to show you what happens in baptism. Because a lot of us, it's mysterious. We don't know. It's very simple. Okay, what happens in baptism is, Catherine, you've already got a committed relationship to Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior in your heart, and I know that. So we're going to baptize her, and I'm going to turn you this way, okay? And you can pinch your nose if you want. You should, because, okay, either one. And we're, all I'm going to say to you is this. Because of your confession of faith in Christ, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to lower her straight back. You're good. And straight back up. Not, I'm not going to hold you under that long, I promise. Okay, that's it. The great part about that is when you come up out of the water, when they come up out of the water, there's, there's a roaring applause because everybody on the shore is like, yeah, that's awesome. Way to be obedient. And your grandparents that have passed on before you that were believers are celebrating in heaven and saying, yes, that's awesome. And your great-grandparents and the angels all celebrate together. Thank you, Catherine, for helping me with that. We're going to let you down. Go ahead. Good job. Watch your step there on the stairs. Now, I will say this. I didn't do this with her, but I want to let you know that sometimes we have, if you're especially big sinner, we're going to hold you under a little longer, okay? <laughs> and I'll say this because when the bubbles start coming up, that's just sin escaping is all it is. You're good. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you should never, ever, ever let fear hold you back from getting baptized. That's as simple as it is. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying it. You're going, but you don't understand my family. I got to fight them. I got to explain all this to them and all that. It's worth the effort. You want to be obedient to God because in that obedience, God says what? I come closer to you. Don't let something like baptism hold you back. And again, I want to encourage you before you leave today to get this right. There's a booth right outside that says baptism. Sign up for the beach. Sign up to get baptized here on campus. It will absolutely bring you closer to God. Now, there's one more verse I put there in your outline. It's uh, James 4, 8. And it says this. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Again, God doesn't move. He says, come back to me. Now, a lot of people in the room today are going, this all sounds great, Pastor. Confession and prayer, you know, and the church and, and obedience. But you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. God can't possibly want a relationship with me. 
I'm broken, I'm busted, I have huge flaws. I understand what you're saying, I'm, I'm the same way. Why would God want a relationship with somebody as broken as I am? Fact is, he, he does. The story of the prodigal son in the Bible says it best. You remember the story? If you don't, it's in there. It's about a boy who goes and spends his inheritance early. He begs his father, I want my money. You're not dead yet, but I want my inheritance money now. And he takes that money and he goes off and spends it. He blows it. And he has to go back home. In fact, he gets so desperate, he starts eating pig food. So he goes home, and what he doesn't realize is that every day at the end of the day, his father goes to the end of the driveway and looks out to see if his son's coming home. And every day if the son doesn't come home, the father goes back into the home disappointed. And one day the father steps out and looks, and there is his son on the horizon. And Scripture tells us he doesn't just wait there, the father, with his arms crossed and saying, I knew you'd come back, I knew it. Scripture tells us he, he starts running towards his son. And he embraces his son, and he tells his son all is forgiven. That's the God we serve. God isn't standing there with a pointed finger. You skip two quiet times, so you're off my list. You stop coming to church for five years. You're, we don't, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. We don't serve the God of the pointed finger. We serve the God with the open arms. He's waiting for you to come back to that closeness you may have never had before or have had and have lost. Are you ready for that? It's the most important relationship you'll ever have. And I promise you this, all the other relationships in your life, your marriage, your kids, the one with your boss, your classmates, whatever it is, all of those will never be right until this one's right. Your relationship with God is the most important thing that you can have. I want to challenge you, church. Are you ready to run back to the open embrace of God who loves you so much? He's the God of the thousandth chance wants you to come back and feel that closeness to him again. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful and humbled by the fact that you want a relationship with us. God, you knew how we were going to be and you made us anyway. And we thank you for that. I pray for each and every beating heart in this room and their families. Father, this day, just nudge them in one of these areas. Father, we know that you want us to do all four of these, to confess, to pray, to value your church, and to be obedient. And that you really seek that closeness that we need to have with you. Today, help us remove anything that's in the way, anything we've put above you, and come running back to you. love you and we give you all the praise and the glory for the breakthrough that's going to come in the lives of every single person here that honestly seeks your heart and your face and your embrace we love you we praise you and we thank you it's in christ's name that i pray amen amen let's give god a hand this morning good i just want to uh, as the ushers come forward it's an awesome opportunity here at the end of service to start putting this into practice we just talked about giving generously, valuing what God values, and a great way to do that is with your resources. Now, I want to say, I know, I've sat in your chairs, it's a wrestling match, how much do I give? Do I give? Will so-and-so be mad if I give? Follow your heart. What is God nudging you to do right now? Because as I said before, lives are changing and resources make that happen. Thank you for doing that. 
I'd like to pray for us over our offering if we could. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to give and to give back to you of what you provide us. No matter what we make, Lord, we know that you've called us to give back a portion. I ask that you bless the gifts and the givers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do with something as simple as money to change hearts around the world for you. It's in Christ's name that I pray.